What's up, everyone? It's Erica from the F1 podcast here to bring you a special edition of the pod today for International Women's Day 2023. It's just me, and I want to share a little bit about the history of women in motorsport. For those of you who aren't aware, we have a long-standing tradition of participating not only in F1, but in many other series over the course of motorsport history. And I want to shed some light on the early days through to F1, and also what the inclusion of women in F1 today and beyond stands to look like. So with that said, let's dive in. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, women have been participating in competitive motorsport basically since its inception. We can see records as far back as 1897, and as although there weren't that many opportunities for them to participate before 1910, we do have some early trailblazers. So Italy's Countess Elsa Del Brizzi being one that comes to mind. There's also the Brit Miss Wimbledon, but really it's Francis Camille Dugast who placed 30th in the Paris-Berlin race around that time, who kind of sets the pace for what women can do. We also had women participate in the first 24-hour Dumans, and there was an all-women crew at the Dumans for the first time in 1930. So kind of setting the stage and the bar high from an early age and an early time in the sport. In the 30s, we also saw Canadian representation on the international stage, with Kay Peter taking UK racing by storm. But one of the really cool stories is Anne Hall, who rose to prominence in the 50s and 60s, winning many women's racing championships, but also participating in those long distance rallies and upon retirement, setting up an advanced driving school in the late 60s. She ended up coming back to racing in 1988 at age 72 to win the Pirelli Classic Marathon, which for those of you who aren't familiar, is a 2300 mile round trip through the Alps before officially retiring from motorsport in 1997 at age 81. That's pretty insane and an impressive career, but that also blazed the way for a lot of other people. So if you've heard of Pat Moss, who is the sister of Sir Sterling Moss, a Grand Prix champion, she was crowned the European Ladies Rally Champion five times in her career with three wins and seven podium finishes in international rally events. On top of this, we also see other impressive female drivers like Michelle Mouton of France, Lynn St. James of the US, who's one of five women to ever qualify for the Indy 500. We have Scotland's Louise Aitken-Walker, Kathy Muller of France, Jutta Kleinschmidt of Germany, Danica Patrick, IndyCar legend coming out of the States, as well as Jackie X, who participated in Le Mans, the Spa 24 Hours, Catherine Ledge of Formula Ford, Formula Renault, and Formula 3. Now, outside of looking at Formula races, these are some names that really have kind of set the stage. And I'm sure if you haven't heard of Michelle Mouton at this point, you, you really should do a deep dive because she in particular, as well as, you know, the more modern legends like Danica Patrick are really inspirational and people whose commentary and whose impacts are felt throughout motorsport, not just in their particular racing series. If you've noticed anything from these two, it's that a lot of the women have really stood out in some of those distance and rally races. So we've seen lots of participation and high podiums and finishes in some of those longer races, which we'll even see from some of the more modern racers who have participated in Formula One. So if we set our sights on F1 specifically, there are a few female drivers of note over the years. Of course, we have to start at the beginning. And in 1958, we saw our first female participant in F1 with Italy's Maria Teresa de Filippis, 
She qualified for the Belgian Grand Prix and ended up finishing 10th overall. After this race, she entered seven other Grand Prix. She qualified for three of five that counted toward championship points. And while she didn't receive any points, it, it was a pretty notable contribution to the sport and a pretty notable showing for the first woman to compete. She ended up retiring to family life, but really opened the doors for what was to come. The next woman to race in Formula One was also from Italy, Leila Lombardi, and she qualified for South Africa in 1974, scoring a half point after the race ended prematurely. Afterwards, she came seventh at Nürburgring in 75 before moving to her career in touring. And what's really neat about this is that not only did she go on to touring, she even made an appearance in NASCAR, racing at the Daytona 500 in 1977. The next woman to make an appearance in Formula One was Davinika Gallica of the United Kingdom, who attempted to qualify in 1976 for the British GP, as well as making an attempt to qualify for the 1978 Argentinian and Brazilian races. However, she did not make an appearance on the starting grid. And the next woman to make an appearance was Desiree Wilson, who entered in 1980, but failed to qualify. She did participate for the non-championship South African GP, but spun out on lap 52. She ended up winning other events like the Six Hours de Monza, as well as other distance races. And the next woman to make an appearance in the sport didn't show up until seven years later in 1987. Once again, we saw an Italian entrant in Giovanna Amati, who landed a seat for Brabham Formula One in 1992, but failed to qualify from three starts. Now we thought that seven year gap was something of note, but we ended up going 22 years after Amati and the next female appearance in Formula One wasn't until 2014. So Susie Wolf was signed as the Williams development and test driver in 2012, but did not make an appearance in Formula One until she participated in FP1 at Silverstone in 2014. She later retired from the team in 2015, but not before becoming the first female entrant in the race of champions, which was a racing series founded by Michel Mouton, one of our other famed female drivers that we talked about earlier pretty crazy to see all of that come together and come full circle. After Susie Wolf, we saw Maria de Velota of España. Don't know why I chose to say that in Spanish as opposed to English, but here we are. Uh, and she was signed as the test driver for Marussia until her crash in 2012. Uh, very unfortunate story as she then later died of the injuries that she occurred in this straight line crash but uh, still a notable impact on the sport. After Maria, we saw Simona de Silvestro as an affiliated driver for Sauber in 2014, and they sound, signed her with the intention of her racing in 2015. And Sauber also signed the Brazilian Tatiana Calderon as a development driver for 2017 and promoted her to test driver in 2018, wherein she participated in testing in Mexico during October of that year. Lotus signed Carmen Horda in 2015. And from there, the one remaining name that sticks out is Jamie Chadwick. She was signed as a development driver for Williams in 2019 before absolutely dominating in W Series racing. She is now with Andretti Autosport for the 2023 Indy NXT season, but she does still hold a development driver seat with Williams for the 2023 season. And if you recall from our last episode, Andretti is really keen to make an entrance into Formula One at some point in the next couple of years. 
So will this be an opportunity for Jamie to play a bigger role in Formula One over the course of the next couple of years? That remains to be seen, but I would be pretty excited by that if that were an opportunity that she would have. Now, in terms of where we currently stand with F1, Uh, You'll recall from our last episode, obviously, I am a big Susie Wolf fan and was super thrilled to hear that she was appointed as the managing director of the F1 Academy, which is a development program for women in F-series racing and kind of meant to go alongside Formula One. Since her time at Williams, she was also the the former Formula E team principal. And that means that she brings some really great insights into what it takes to manage high-performing athletes as we look to develop the next generation of female talent with the hopes of some more equitable representation in Formula One. What was also really exciting last season is that we had the first all-woman marshals post in Baku for the 2022 season. So while we had had female marshals in the past, we'd never had a marshals post that was all-women. So very exciting to see that even not just from a participation and racing standpoint, but from a support and operational standpoint that we're having more female representation as well. And of course, as we talked about for the formies, as we will, we called it for our sort of superlative awards, Hannah Schmitz has been crushing strategy at Red Bull. She is an absolutely phenomenal talent and it is really quite fair to say that they would not be the success that they are without her strategic mindset and the wealth of knowledge that she brings to the pit wall. But for those of you who didn't know, Alfa Romeo also had a female head of strategy last year in Ruth Buscombe. uh, And that's super exciting to see that at a very high level, a very influential role, we do have female representation. Now, what does it look like going forward? Of course, we're hoping the F1 Academy brings forward some very stellar talent But Alpine also announced that it's looking to build a talent pipeline beginning early in racing careers for women so that there is more representation over the future and hopefully, you know, more female representation, not just in racing, but within their own organization as well. They're currently sitting at 12% of their employees being women. In the next five years, they're looking to more than double that to 30%. And not only has their CEO said that this is critical in building the future of motorsport, But Nico Rosberg has joined that bandwagon too, saying that it's going to be an incredibly influential program. And I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, We all know that Alpine has a longstanding history in the sport, what with their background with Renault. And I'm keen to see what comes of this. So that brings us to the end of my brief recap of women in motorsport, of women in Formula One, and kind of what is going on right now and what we hope to see in the future. If you enjoyed this, please make sure to listen to our other episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube. And you can find us on Instagram at f1.podcast. We'll be releasing our episode for the Bahrain GP, which is the first race of the 2023 season in the coming days. So keep your eyes peeled and your ears open. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, and we will see you then. Enjoy the rest of your day and happy International Women's Day to those of you celebrating and to those of you supporting your fellow female allies. We'll talk soon.